Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I know, you know, it's traditional that when you go to somewhere new, you've got to say nice things about the leaders. Okay, forget that. What I'm going to say is genuine. Um, I am really, really blessed to be here. Like Phil said, um, we met him on the service station. Now, I've got to say, he was very gracious because we were late. But... Um, such, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> and you paid for the coffee. <laughs> such a fatherly figure, such a pastor's heart. And then um, not long after that, we had the, the joy of meeting most of the rest of your leadership team. Um, and for us, I've got to say, guys, you have been such, you know, it's not easy transitioning a church, especially a church which you grew up in, and, and you, you've got a familiarity about it because they know what you were like as teens in that church. Um, and it's been a difficult process for us. I think um, Phil's been kind when he said it, it was slightly um, outdated when we went there. Um, I honour the previous leadership, but it did need a lot of change, and it's been a very, very difficult process for us. Uh, and I want to say that the leadership of the leadership of this church has been an incredible blessing and support to us through our journey. We've been there 18 months now, making that change, um, and we've come here sometimes feeling completely depleted and discouraged, and in some ways feeling, oh, I don't know whether I've got the time to come, and yet have left feeling refreshed, re-energized, with new direction. And for us, that's, and it's been a real blessing. And I want to say, if there's one, if there's one word I could use to... Dis- now, I've been to Arena Church many times. I've ne- this is the first time I've actually been in a service. Um, over the last 18 months, I've probably... We've been at least a dozen times, I would say. Um, and, and if there's one word that I could say about Arena Church that describes our experience of Arena Church, it's the word generosity. You're abundant in generosity. And I know it comes all the way through from the leadership through the church. And so we just want to say thank you. Your, um, Your input is actually having a difference in a church in a town you've probably never heard of. Um, but I just want to say thank you for that. Now, I'm a Bible teacher. That's, that's my gifting, and, and I know Phil can relate to that. And sometimes, I, I love to be systematic. I, I, I'm at my best when I'm just fighting with Scripture, when I'm just devouring a Scripture, just breaking it down, wrestling with it until it changes me, and then delivering it. That's when I'm at my best. Um, but sometimes God wants me to be prophetic. And as a Bible teacher, I find that really awkward when God challenges me <laughs> to do that. Um, but, but today I felt that he wanted me to be prophetic. So we will be using some scripture, but I, I just felt, and not only that, not only did he want me to be prophetic, but actually during the worship, um, half the sermon changed as well. So the story I'm going to tell you to start with is actually not planned at all. So I'm going to try and remember it as best as I can because I really feel that this, somebody needs to hear this and I, I believe it's probably more than, more than just one as well. Um, when you face a problem that's too big for you, when you face a, um, a challenge that is too big 
And sometimes you're praying for more power and more authority into the situation. I just want to explain a, a scripture. It's, it's Mark chapter 9. It's also, in, it's also in Matthew somewhere. Philip can probably point to it. Um, when um, the disciples are given power and authority by, by Jesus, and they come across a demon-possessed boy, uh, and they try and deliver the boy but can't. Um, and Jesus comes along, if, if somebody can find it for me, it's come to me, but I'm not sure the exact, it's Matthew 9, I know that, and it's somewhere, sorry, Mark 9, and somewhere in Matthew, and, and um, Jesus then comes along, and Jesus says to, um, he heals the boy, and the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, well, what happened? Why couldn't we do anything? Why, why was our power, and, and Jesus challenges them, um, it challenges their faith, and I want to speak on faith. But also, it says some things you need to pray and fast. And, and sometimes we think fasting and praying is about us becoming stronger and us becoming more able to deal with the situation. What I want to say is this, it's not. It's about us humbling ourselves before God. Fasting and praying is about humbling ourselves before God and relying on His strength for the miracle. Uh, and I want to tell you the story. It's something that happened to me, and God spoke to me a lot through things that happened to me while I was in the police force. Um, I've lived on about, I've got 10 years of illustrations from, um, from eight years in the police. And, and one day I was on duty. Uh, I was on a night shift. And my sergeant told me and, uh, and my colleague, I want you to go to these five pubs and I want you to clear them out. They've been, they've been, going over their time, and they've been causing trouble. Go there and clear them. So we went, we went to the first four, had no problems whatsoever. We spoke, we spoke to, the, to the managers. Um, we told them they had to shut now or, or there'd be trouble, and they shut. There was no problems. We went to the fifth one, and it was, it was, a, traveling, it was a traveler's pub. And it was known, I didn't know this, I wasn't used to this town, but it was known for being a fighting pub. And we walked in, there's two offers, we walked into this pub. And have you ever seen a Wild West movie when, when the person comes out of town, walks in, they all, yeah, and everything goes quiet? Well, that's what happened to us. We walked through the doors, and there, was about, there must have been about 40 men, big fighting men in this pub. And as we walked in, we realized from the reception, it just went completely silent. You could hear a pin drop. And they all looked at us. And one by one, they got up with the bottles in hand and started to surround us. And the trick in being a police officer is always to pretend you're confident. Never show any fear whatsoever. But inside, you're thinking, how do I get out of here? And, and this one guy, I can remember, he came up to me, stood face to face with me, nose to nose. And he'd got, he'd got a fresh scar all the way from the top of his head all the way down to his chin. And I know how it, how it had happened, because the week before, there'd been a big machete fight in the, in the town. And I, I knew there'd been a lot of people in hospital, there'd been a lot of caravans destroyed. It had been, a, it had been a, a nasty, nasty fight. And he stood to me, nose to nose, with a bottle in his hand, and he said, do you want to know how I got this? I said, no thanks, I'm busy. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, for some reason, we decided the best solution was to somehow squeeze between these people and get to the, to the manager. At this point, we realized now we're actually between, between us and the door were these 40 men. And so we realized we were not going, 
if we tried to clear out that pub, that's it. We, we were goners. We were not going to survive that. Uh, and we realized, we just spoke, we said something nice to the, to the manager. We did not even mention the fact that he needed to be closed. And we sort of tried as confidently as we could walk between, the, between these men back out the door. And, every, and they were jostling us as we were walking to the door. And we were trying to, it, it's really awkward. Do you know, do you know when you're, you're trying to look brave and you start to do that quick walk like they do? And it just, all credibility goes out the window. Well, it was like that. And we walked out of this pub. Um, and I, we felt completely humiliated. We'd faced a problem that we, as police officers, we'd got authority. We'd got the authority to tell them to, clean, uh, to empty out the pub. We'd got the authority. As Christians, we have authority. But there was two offers. My friend, he was, he was a big guy, rugby player. We didn't have the power. We'd got the authority... But we hadn't got the power. So I, I, I radioed uh, my sergeant and I told him what had happened. He was absolutely indignant. He was furious. And he said, come back to the station. So we went back to the station. He rang up every single available officer that was on duty that night. And he sent them and he told them, wait outside that pub. So um, he arranged that. That took about 15, 20 minutes and then when they were all gathered there, including two police dog patrols, one of the police dogs was called Taz. Now, he was the sort of dog that when he got out of the car, everybody else, including police officers, got back in the car. <laughs> he got a reputation. He was one of the only police dogs to have a medal for bravery because it actually contained four armed robbers for over 20 minutes once until the armed police got there. He was that nasty. He was, he, was, he was a beast. And all the, when we got, and the sergeant then sent us back to this pub. And so we went with the sergeant back to the pub. And when we got arrived there, the street was just full of blue lights. There was, there was just police cars everywhere. And there was, there was 20 or 30 police officers and these two big dogs outside this pub. And the sergeant just said to, to me and my colleague, go in that pub again and ask them nicely to leave. So we went back into the pub. We, we sneaked in and shut the door behind us. All the men got up again, bottles in hand. It was the same scenario. And I stood there as confidently as you could, as smugly as you could. And I just said, right, get out. They walked towards me. At that point, I opened the door. Taz appeared growling and snarling. My colleague opened the other door and he could see the blue lights all the way down the street. Every single one of those men left that pub, head down, tail between their legs. They even said goodbye to me as they left. (laughs) Not one of them murmured a word against us. Why? Because that time we had authority and we had power. I believe there's people in this room that are facing challenges that are bigger than them. You're facing challenges, and, and the answer is not for God to make you stronger so you can overcome, so you can be. It's coming back to God in humility. You know, when you fast, the point of fasting is you're actually making yourself weaker, you're making yourself more vulnerable, you're relying less on your own strength, and you're coming before a father 
who will become indignant at the powers that dare come against your authority that you have in his name. And he's got access to all the angels of heaven. He's got access to all the powers of heaven. And when you come before him and tell you what you're, what's going on in your life, the things that you're coming against, expect a reaction. And I've seen that happen in my life. I mean, the, 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 the prophecy that was given today against mental health, I was only testifying today. I've had, a, I've had a nervous breakdown. And it wasn't when I was young. It was actually when I went out as a missionary. I had a nervous breakdown. I, I, I suffered terribly in the first, because if the stre- there were so many things going on. I'm not going into the whole testament. There were so many things going on. But I had a complete breakdown, and it almost damaged um, my marriage, my family, my ability to be a father, my ability to minister. It, it caused so many problems. And I, it, took, it took a couple of years to really, truly recover from that. And it was a difficult time. By God's grace, we're able to minister. By God's grace, we're able to plant a church while that happened. Don't ask me how. That's God's grace. When God told us to come back to Slovakia, that same thing came on us again, came on me again. Now, depression, that sort of thing, you know, I was saying only today, you know, it's, it, I don't like saying it's demonic or it's physical, it's, it's, because it, it's all, it, it, we're holistic beings. When these sort of things happen, it's, it's all those sort of things. Often it can be the situation we're facing, it can be um, the, the spiritual attack. It's, all, it's normally a combination of things. And when, you, when we only try and deal with it in one way, we're only dealing with one part of the problem. And um, I was terrified because this thing came on me. And I didn't know what to do. I was absolutely terrified. I couldn't, I couldn't, be, I couldn't be in the presence of my children. Because I was, every time I saw, saw one of my children, I've got, we've got two wonderful children, I would, I'd break down because I'd feel that like I couldn't be a father. And ironically, I would move away, it was pushing me away from my children because I couldn't be with them. There was a fear over me that was, that was gripping me with such intensity. And then after um, Liz just one evening had a, had a prophecy that it, was, it wasn't going to be a long, drawn-out process like it had been before. God was going to step in. And actually, three weeks in, I, when, I, when I was getting really desperate, when I was asking this, well, it's certainly lasting longer than I was expecting. I, I was praying lots. I was doing all sorts of things, and I just couldn't hear God's voice. And then just one evening, I heard God's voice that just said, go into your daughter. She was seven years old at the time. Tell her what's going on and ask her to pray for you. You know, and it's, it's a humbling process. And I went into my door and I couldn't speak to her normally. I had to speak to her in the third person. And I, I was talking to her about her. I was saying, Daddy wants you to know that he's ill. And he's not going to be able to show you the love that he wants to show you at the moment because he's ill. But he wants you to know that he loves you. I can't talk about my children without crying, so you have to excuse me. I'm not normally a big crybaby, but whenever I talk about my children, I get upset. Um, so I told her this. And she's seven years old. And she prayed for me. And she, it was a really simple prayer. Father... Please heal daddy. 
I walked out of that room into the living room. And the, the only way I can describe this is it felt like somebody had took the top of my skull out, taken my brain out of my head, turned it round, put it back in the right way, and put my skull back on. It, it literally felt like that. All of a sudden, my thoughts were normal. All of a sudden, I could, I could think clear. I couldn't understand how I thought like that before. And you know what? From that day on, it's never come back. I was completely healed physically, emotionally, mentally. It wasn't the prayer of a great man of God. It was my seven-year-old daughter with simple faith. Now, when we come before God in humility, when we, when we come in weakness, that's often when we find strength. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about faith. Because God's been challenging me lately. It, don't just hate it when God challenges you. I can't preach anything without God challenging me about it first. And the thing he's been challenging, the, the, the question he's been asking me is this, what am I doing right now that requires faith? And I want to challenge you with the same question. I want to challenge the church with the same question. I know that church is gener- a generous church and generosity requires faith. So I know this church is a, is a church of faith. But I still want to challenge everybody in this room. What are you doing in your life that requires faith? Because Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those that earnestly seek him. Now those that know um, the New Testament and the books of the New Testament will know that Hebrews was a book that was very much written to help people transition from living under the law to living by faith. Uh, and it, it, was a, it was a book that's very much ha- to help people along that journey, that, to, to untangle some of those things that they didn't understand. And in chapter 11 of, he- of Hebrews, it's a wonderful chapter that just lists the champions of faith. It just, it just gives a big list. I, I don't even know how many are mentioned in that chapter. Just people that have that have been heroes because of their faith. Noah, who by faith built an ark, even though there was no sign of rain. Abraham, who by faith and obedience to God, went to this strange land. Rahab. Rahab had a very um, interesting job. For those that know her. She got around a bit. But because of her faith, and it was demonstrated in protecting the Israelites, she was considered amongst the heroes of faith. You know, there's something that all all those people have in common. The faith wasn't just a belief. It was something inside of them. It was a trust that they had in God that caused them to do something They had such a trust in God that they were willing to do something that probably scared them. What are you doing right now that requires faith? You see, 
I think most people, most Christians, for how they live their lives on a day-to-day basis, don't need faith. I think most churches can operate without faith. And that's a problem. Because we need faith to please God. So what are we doing right now? And this is something that God has been challenging me with. Because I've done some big steps of faith in life. Some really big steps of faith. But (laughs) it's a journey, not a step. You see, I want to just very quickly, very quickly indeed, just tell you a few of the things that we've learned as we've made those steps of faith, as we've, if we've been on this journey of faith. Just if, three things that we've learned to be true. First of all, it's that steps of faith are often tested. You know, there's often pain before you see a result. God's not a vending machine that if you, if you put the money and press the right numbers, then what you want comes out. It doesn't work like that. It's a trust relationship between a father and his children. And sometimes when God asks you to do something, there'll be a period of time where you've just got to trust him. Because it's a walk. And you know what? I studied, the first time I went to university, I studied sports science. And we, we studied um, a person's gait. And I don't mean the thing you open. It's how you walk or how you run. And you know when you walk... You can't walk without falling. Do you know that? It's impossible to walk without falling. When you walk, you lift up your leg, and unless you're willing to fall, you don't go anywhere. You have to fall to walk. If you're not falling, you're skating or crawling. You've got to be willing to take a step into the unknown. And sometimes the, the, the answers to those steps come quite quickly. Sometimes it's, it's a bit more of a bigger leap. But it's still, there's a falling process. There's a falling process. Whenever you take a step of faith, you've got to be willing to have that faith tested. Sometimes it's quickly. Sometimes it's just a small fall. I remember once when... Um, w- We were planting a church. We hadn't got money finances, and we needed a piano in the church. And Liz, um, we got a piano at home that Liz just used every day to just to worship God. It was her main way of just just worshiping and just being with God. And Liz laid on her heart that she was to she was to send the, the piano to church. And we couldn't afford to buy a new piano. We worked out that it was going to take several years to save up for a new piano. But we just trusted that in the right time, God would provide. And so on the Saturday, we gave the piano. We took the piano down to church on the Saturday. On the Monday morning, we opened up our bank accounts and we had a gift for exactly the amount we needed to buy a new piano. That gift had been given by an ex-police colleague of mine who I didn't know very well who'd worked some overtime and just felt he was a Christian, but he didn't believe in the prophetic or words, but he just felt he had to give the money to us. And so he sent the money to us. You know, we'd stepped out of faith and it almost immediately been answered. There's been other times when we've stepped out of faith and it's been, it's been a bit more of a, a longer step down. <laughs> it's been tested a little bit more. You know, when, when we went to Slovakia, we, we had to put our house um, on the market. We gave up our jobs. We gave up our work. Um, we, 
we, we, we basically sold everything, or we tried to sell everything, and we were just going to move. Now, we knew that we had to sell the house in order to move to Slovakia. We, 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 if we didn't, because our income was going to be about 10% of what we were earning in England. And so we knew if, if the house didn't sell before we went, we would be bankrupt within, within two or three months of being in Slovakia. We just could not survive. And so it had to sell before we went. Um, but we felt God was telling us to go on a certain date as well. Because the church planting project that we're going to help started on a certain date. And so we just felt, God, oh, God will answer the prayer. And this was a few months before. And you've always got a f- faith a few months before a deadline. And so we just, said, we just booked the tickets. I told work that I was leaving. Liz um, packed up her business as a singing teacher. And we just, we just, we had real, real faith. As the months went on, this was in 2006, and the house market was completely dead. There was about four or five houses for sale on our street. Nothing was going. And nobody came to see our house. First of all, there was maybe one or two, and then nobody came, and nobody came. And so we, we fasted, but it wasn't a humbling process. We were trying to manipulate God. So we, we fasted and prayed, and you know what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So we fasted and prayed for a bit longer. And nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. We'd, we'd planned to go on the 17th of September 2006. Do you know when our house sold? On the 16th of September 2006. It sold the very day before we went. Now I'd like to tell you that we were full of faith for the whole period walking up to that. We weren't. Thankfully, at least one of us always had faith at one particular point of time. And we just swapped between the two of us who had faith to believe. But sometimes that faith gets tested. But the thing I want to say is it always comes through. He always comes through. Sometimes you wait longer than is comfortable, but he always comes through. And sometimes we waste so much time and energy worrying the more we learn to trust, the more we can enjoy the journey. You know, Hebrews 11, the first verse of that says that now faith is confidence in what we hope for and insurance, assurance about what we don't see. You know, it's, it's, it's having that trust in the Father that gives us peace. It's having that trust. The first time when we moved to Slovakia, it was, it was a difficult, those few months were difficult. When God told us to move back to England, we were in no better situation, no better situation. Financially, when we were looking at the houses we thought we could buy, we were going further and further into the worst parts of the city. When we got an estimate on how much our house was worth over there in Slovakia and how much houses costs in, in the place we wanted to, to buy, bear in mind we'd given everything into, into the the ministry. We thought we were just looking at worse and worse houses. We were hoping to have somewhere with a guest room. Then in the end, we were just hoping to have a room that we could all sleep in. <laughs> it was getting worse and worse. But, but, what we, but because we'd learned to trust him, we'd learned to have confidence that he was going to come through. And just before we moved, you know what happened? Brexit happened. 
they had the Brexit vote. And all of a sudden, the pound sunk, the euro went up, our house went up in value by 25%. And we managed to buy a house right in the middle of town that had guest rooms. He always comes through. He might have to wait, it might be tested, it might be painful. But he comes through. That's the sort of God we've got. Finally, faith has to be a discipline. You know, we've taken some big leaps of faith into our time. You know, we've, we've really gone off. The, and the trouble is, when we take big leaps of faith, the temptation is to say, okay, we've done that now. We've, we've got the t-shirt. We've done the faith thing. But it's not about big leaps of faith. It's about a journey. It's about intentional day-by-day steps to trust our God. When Abraham went on his journey, it took took a long time. It took many steps. And it's about pushing out on a day-by-day basis. In fact, the big leaps are, are the rarity. Maybe for you, it's about just being brave and just witnessing to somebody or just sharing your faith for the first time. Maybe that's a step of faith that God wants you to take. Maybe it's to give generously. Maybe you've been worrying about your finances and God's saying, just trust me. But they're intentional. It's about a journey. Fear causes us to bury what we have. You know, the opposite of faith, and this is something I've learned, I used to think the opposite of faith was doubt. Because the Bible does speak negatively about doubt. But it, the kind of doubt the Bible speaks negatively about is doubt that's mixed with fear. You see, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Because actually, you need a bit of doubt to have faith. Because if you're certain, you don't need faith. You know, you don't need, if you're certain about something, you don't need any faith because you know it's going to happen. You need that uncertainty. You need that uncertainty to, to, to get you to move. And I want to ask you, what's motivating your daily lives? Are you operating out of fear? Are you parenting out of fear? Are your relationships based on fear? Is your giving based on fear? Or is it operating out of faith? Now, I could go into what the two things, different things look like, but I, I, I don't want to do that today. I just want to, to leave you with that because I believe that there's people here that God is speaking to specifically about the need to start to, to put away that fear and start trusting in the Father. You see, there's one thing that I would say I've learned more than anything else on our journey to Slovakia. And we've had some tough times, and I mean some tough times. I've only skimmed over them. We had times when our faith was really tested. Our, our, our faith in God to provide was really tested. We, we went at one point several weeks without food. And I'm I, I, seriously, several weeks without food because we couldn't afford to buy anything. And our faith was tested. But it came through. And in the end, we had... We, we, we got building work on our house and we still don't know how we afforded to do it. Because he's a, God of faith. he's a God that comes through and he's a God that loves when his children trust him. Faith is not about saying something and getting what you want. 
Faith is about children trusting their father. And when you do that, you enjoy the journey. When you learn to trust him, when we came back, we enjoyed the journey back here, even though we had, all, we had two children to, to bring back with us. But we learned to enjoy the journey because we'd learned to trust that our father was good. That he would come through. I've used the illustration about when I taught my children to swim. Now, at first, they didn't enjoy swimming because I used to, I used to leave them a bit and just allow them to struggle in the water. But the moment they were struggling too much, I was there for them. And actually, the moment they learned to trust me, they started to really enjoy swimming. And they're fantastic swimmers now. But it was learning to trust their earthly father. The moment we learn to trust him, we can start to enjoy the journey. He, he wants to make you brave. I'm going to ask Liz to come up, and she's just going to sing a song. And um, maybe even be prophetic. I don't want to, want to put her under any pressure. But I believe it's going to speak to some of you. And I want, I want you to, if you could stand, if you don't mind. The song is about him making you brave. And when you trust in him, when you start to trust in your father, when you start to learn that your father is good, then he does make you brave. This morning as I I woke up and I was just, I was spending time with God and then we've been with uh, Christian and Caroline all day and it's, it's been really good. But during the worship time tonight, I was just, I just realized that there's just something just wasn't quite, quite right with me and I wasn't really sure what it was. And it's like the Holy Spirit just took me back to this morning and as I was having that devotional with, with God, there was a lie that just for a split second passed through my mind. And that lie, without me realizing it, had taken root within me. And it was, it was eroding my faith. And I thought, what's going on with that? But as we were just worshiping, I felt God just saying, I, I want you to speak to the people tonight about this. I've let you experience this because this is something that I want you to share with them. And, you know, faith, there's always an element of doubt, as Mark's just said. But the enemy, he he loves to bring a lie. The moment that God speaks to us by his spirit, he loves to, as soon as possible, sow a lie. And lie lies give birth to fear if we let them and that's what happened to me today and as I was worshipping I just felt God say let it go let it go that that lie that came into your heart and mind this morning just let it let it go let it go and I feel that's just a word tonight to you that there's God's calling you to take some step of faith but there's a lie and it's it's eroding your faith and it's holding you back it's making you fearful and he's He's saying, let it go. Let it go. You can trust me.
The gate is wide, the road is paved in moderation. The crowd is kind and quick to pull you in. Welcome to the middle ground, you're safe and sound. And until now, it's where I've been. Cause it's been fear that ties me down to everything But it's been love, your love That cuts the strings So long status quo I think I just let go You make me wanna be brave The way it always was Is no longer good enough Cause you make me wanna be brave 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 I am small And I speak When I'm spoken to But I am willing to risk it all I say your name, just your name And I'm ready to jump Even ready to fall Why did I take this vow of compromise? Why did I Try to keep it all inside So long status quo I think I just let go You make me want to be brave The way it always was Is no longer good enough for me Cause you make me want to be brave I've never known a fire that didn't begin with a flame And every storm will start with just a drop of rain But if you believe in me That changes You make me 
want to just want to end with prayer if that's okay if you can just lift up your hands to God and that that's that's my that's my prayer whatever step I've taken before I want to forget about that and I want to I want to take another step I want to take a bigger step I want to I want to start running in my faith with God and let us be our prayer this evening that he'll make us brave He'll make us people of faith, not that we're some sort of superhero, but we're, we're people that are confident in the goodness of our Father. Lord, Lord, let us trust you more, Lord God. We, we know, Lord, the more that we trust you, the more that we know your goodness, the more that we are certain that you will come through, Lord, the braver we become. The more that we know that we have heaven's army with us, Lord, the braver we become. Lord, we know, Lord, that we can take, Lord, cities, Lord, not on our own strength, Lord, but by your power, by your strength, by the fact that you are with us, by the fact that you love us, by the fact that you have adopted us as your own, Lord God, and we just lift you up as our good Father. We just proclaim that you are a good Father. Make us brave, Lord. Make us brave in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you once again for for accepting us and just being such good hosts. Thank you so much.